The personal stories expressed in this series reflect the true experiences and opinions of the guests and may not represent the official position of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Elder M. Russell Ballard of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles has said, There is hope for the addicted, and this hope comes through the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ and by humbling oneself before God, pleading to be freed of the bondage of addiction and offering our whole soul to Him in fervent prayer. Priesthood leaders can help as those who have addiction seek counsel from them. Where necessary, they can refer them to qualified licensed counselors and LDS family services. The addiction recovery program adapted from the original 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous is readily available through LDS Family Services. In this series, you will hear actual meetings discussing each of the gospel principles of addiction recovery and healing. Addiction recovery meetings have strict guidelines of confidentiality and anonymity. These podcasts may seem contradictory to such standards. All the participants in these meetings are active participants in the addiction recovery program and have willingly volunteered to participate. Their experiences are genuine and not fabricated. These recordings were created with the express purpose of providing a way for individuals who are isolated from recovery groups to participate, as well as provide an example to church leaders and members of a typical meeting. Today's meeting will discuss Step 7, Humility. Welcome to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Addiction Recovery Meeting. I am Elder Ennis, and I am serving as the missionary group leader. We do not have anybody here for the first time, but we are missing some people. So, as always, we would like to go around, starting here at my left, and just quickly introduce ourselves. Hi, my name is Robert, and I'm an addict alcoholic. Hi, Robert. Robert. My name's Scott, and I'm a recovering addict and alcoholic. Hi, Scott. My name's Cammie, and I'm a recovering addict. Hi, Cammie. I'm Lindsay. I'm an addict. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, I'm Sharon, and I'm an addict. Hi, Sharon. Hi, my name's Rich, and I am a child of God. Hi, Rich. Hi, I'm Abra, and I'm a recovering addict. Hi, Abra. Hi, I'm Scott, and I'm a recovering addict. Hi, Scott. Hi, Scott. I'm Dub. I'm a recovering alcoholic slash addict. Hi, Dub. Hi, I'm Steve, alcoholic addict. Hi, Steve. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to remind everybody to please turn off their cell phones and pagers. We don't have any announcements for this meeting, so would somebody please offer us an opening prayer? I will. Thanks, Abra. Lord, your kind and gracious Heavenly Father, as we come before thee at the beginning of our group meeting this evening, we would like to thank thee for the building that we have to meet in this evening, for the living spirit that has been with us for the past week and for the ability we have to meet one with another, we would ask thee at this time to be with us as we go about this meeting, that we will be able to fill thy spirit with us, that we will be able to share one with another, that we will be able to learn the lessons that thou hast prepared for us, that we will be able to continue in our recovery, and that we will be able to gain strength and knowledge one from another. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you. 
As with all of our meetings, uh, we start off with the church's mission statement, and that is, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Addiction Recovery Meetings assist those who desire to recover from addiction. We also welcome family and friends whose lives may be affected by the addiction of another. We are a group of brothers and sisters who share our experience, faith, and hope as we study and apply the principles of the gospel as they correlate with the 12 steps of recovery. Our meetings provide a safe place for honest sharing because we adhere to the principles of confidentiality and anonymity, and we use appropriate language and behavior to invite the Spirit to be with us. As we practice these 12 steps in our lives, we receive power through the Atonement of Jesus Christ to overcome addiction and receive the full blessings of the gospel. Family and friends who practice these same 12 steps will also find hope and healing for themselves. We will now go around the room and read each of the 12 steps found on page Roman numeral number 4. We invite each person who is willing to read one step. It is perfectly acceptable to pass if you prefer to listen only. We'll begin here at my left. Step one, admit that you of yourself are powerless to overcome your addictions and that your life has become unmanageable. Step two, come to believe that the power of God can restore you to complete spiritual health. Step three, decide to turn your will and your life over to the care of God, the Eternal Father, and His Son, Jesus Christ. Step four, make a searching and fearless written moral inventory of yourself. Step five, admit to yourself, to your Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, to proper priesthood authority, and to another person, the exact nature of your wrongs. Step six, become entirely ready to have God remove all your character weaknesses. Step seven, humbly ask Heavenly Father to remove your shortcomings. Step eight, make a written list of all persons you have harmed and become willing to make restitution to them. Step nine, wherever possible, we make direct restitution to all persons we have harmed. Step 10, continue to take personal inventory, and when we are wrong, we promptly admit it. Step 11, seek through prayer and meditation to know the Lord's will and to have the power to carry it out. Step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of the atonement of Jesus Christ, share this message with others and practice these principles in all you do. Thank you. Each week we focus on a different step. This week we will read Step 7, found on page 41, from A Guide to Addiction, Recovery, and Healing. We'll go around the room and each person who is willing may read one or two paragraphs. You may pass if you prefer to listen. We have an extra copy of the guide for you to use in this meeting in case you do not have one. During the reading, listen for thoughts, feelings, and experiences you have in common with those who have taken these steps. We'll continue where we left off reading. Step 7. Humility. Key principle. Humbly ask Heavenly Father to remove your shortcomings. All the steps require humility, but Step 7 requires it most explicitly Humbly ask Heavenly Father to remove your shortcomings. The humble heart we developed in step six brought us to our knees in step seven to ask the Lord to remove our shortcomings. When we had progressed to this point, we were ready to pray without any other motivation but our desire to become one in heart and in mind with Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. No longer 
Were we satisfied with a change in habits or even in lifestyle? We were finally ready to have God change our very nature. Step seven represented for each of us such total surrender to the Savior that many of us could not help but cry out in our hearts, as Alma did, O Jesus, thou Son of God, have mercy on me. Genuine remorse filled our hearts, not only because we had suffered or made others suffer, but because we regretted that even in recovery, we still could not remove our own shortcomings. Having felt a portion of the love of God, we desired to give up all our sins, even all inclination to sin, so we might know Him better. Finally, voluntarily, with all our hearts, we offered our whole souls to God and asked Him to forgive us and make us in His image. We had finally come to realize that no other name, no other way nor means can give us a complete remission of our sins. Holding nothing back, we pled with the Father that He, in His infinite mercy, would forgive us for all our pride, transgressions, and shortcomings. We asked that He would grant us grace, that through Him we might maintain this new way of life. The Lord did not begin such a revolutionary change of our entire character until we allowed Him to do so. Step seven was our decision. We had to humble ourselves deliberately. We had to surrender every particle of self-sufficient pride and admit that our efforts to save ourselves had been insufficient. We had to feel and live the truth King Benjamin taught, that we are all beggars before God and have no hope of salvation by our own efforts, but only through the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. Step 7 marked for each of us the moment when we finally yielded without reservation to the eternal truth taught in Mosiah chapter 16, verse 4. All mankind were lost, and behold, they <clears throat> would have been endlessly lost were it not that God redeemed his people from their lost and fallen state. Our experience taught us that in taking step seven, we were not excused from the work that was ours to do. We still had to be patient and press forward with steadfastness in Christ. We had not become entirely free from the desire to sin. We had to learn to accept life on God's terms and wait upon his purposes and his timing. Even in the removal of our shortcomings and taking step seven, we learned to live with the same humility and patience towards God that Alma and his brethren showed when their burdens were lightened but not removed. They did submit cheerfully and with patience to all the will of the Lord. We finally abandoned the idea that we could become perfect by ourselves. and We accepted the truth that God desires us to conquer our weaknesses in this life by coming unto Christ and being perfected in him. We found that by His grace, He enabled us to deny ourselves of all ungodliness and to understand that salvation comes not by our own power, but by His. Each step comes with a warning, though, and step seven is no exception. We who have embraced these principles must warn you that you cannot expect to take this step without sacrifice, and rightly so. In Doctrine and Covenants 59, 8, the Lord commands... Thou shalt offer a sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in righteousness, even that of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. This offering is the essence of step seven. Even as you feel the pains of your own rebirth, remember that his suffering, not yours, ensures your redemption from sin. Your sacrifice is only a humble reminder of his great and last sacrifice on your behalf. When you put everything into God's hands, you have finally done all you can to receive his 
unmistakable witness that your sins are forgiven, that your past is truly in the past. Like people who were converted in the Book of Mormon, you can testify that you have been visited by the power and spirit of God, which is in Jesus Christ. Along with Alma, you can exclaim, I could remember my pains no more. Yea, I was harrowed up by the memory of my sins no more. And oh, what joy and what marvelous light I did behold. Yea, my soul was filled with joy as exceeding as was my pain. Thank you. These 12 steps are a program of action. As we read the section called Action Steps, we learn about recovery and gospel actions we can take to come unto Christ and receive power to live in recovery from addiction. Let's continue from where we left off uh, in reading the action steps. Seek for the power of the Savior's atonement to become effective in your personal life by meditating on the sacrament prayers. One effective form of meditation is to think of a verse or a phrase of Scripture as you pray to understand its meaning and application in your own life. Since each of us must make the covenant that is repeated in the sacrament prayers, you could meditate on them. Following the invitation of the prophets to apply the scriptures in our life, we may want to, to read Moroni 4.3 and 5.2 and humbly consider these sacred words in our own voice. For example, O God, the Eternal Father, I ask thee in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, to bless and sanctify this bread to my soul as I partake of it and keep his commandments which he have given me that I may always have his spirit to be with me. Pray humbly for God to do do for you what you cannot do for yourself by keeping a simple prayer in your heart, such as Lord, what will thou have me do or thy will be done? You will be continually reminded of your total dependence upon the Lord. The love of God yours for him and his for you will help you form one relationship to which you can give yourself without reservation. You sought this love all the years you were trapped in addiction. In step seven, you will find, you will find a way to obtain peace as you enter into the rest of the Lord. Thank you. We will now turn the time over to our facilitator, Robert, for the, to conduct the sharing portion of this meeting. Robert. Hi, everybody. My name is Robert. Hey, Robert. And I'm a recovering addict and alcoholic. It's good to be here again with you. It's always a pleasure. Uh, Humility. I think I have heretofore in previous sharing with you admitted that uh, I had no idea what humility was when I was out there using and abusing and really didn't find out until I landed up in jail says in our manual we just read a few minutes ago, he said, uh, says, we had to humble ourselves deliberately. We had to surrender every particle of self-sufficient pride and admit that our efforts to save ourselves had been insufficient. It says it has to be our choice. So I'm going to give myself just a little bit of credit tonight in that when I finally was, and I've always said compelled to be humble, I'm grateful that during that period of time, I could actually make a choice to do it. I could have gone another way and remained bitter and divisive and lots of other stuff. So, um, But, you know, I've always said, and I sound like a broken record, that I really believe the 
there was one quality or virtue that I would give to anybody in the recovery process, it would be that of humility. It just seems to open the door to the atonement and to the recovery process. You know, I think we live in a world that, uh, or a society that, generally speaking, doesn't honor humility. It's deemed to be a, or seen as a weakness. If you're if you're humble, you're weak. When in fact, it's just the opposite. Uh, humility is power, and uh, the more you have of it, the more powerful you are. I think because it does open the gates of being able to fill the spirit and uh, opens the way for you to recover. At least that's what happened with me. And, you know, I don't struggle with my addiction anymore. Uh, I don't have to worry about whether I'm going to use today or not or tomorrow or next week. I try not to take it beyond that. Maybe a week is enough to look ahead, but, but I still struggle with humility. I wish I had that same kind of humility I had in that jail cell because I, I fight for it all the time. I still am a prideful. I still fight pride, and I have plenty of character weaknesses that either I'm unwilling to give up or I still struggle with. But but I do know that humility is a powerful, powerful tool in recovery, and I shall testify in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thanks, Thanks, Robert. Uh, we will now begin the sharing portion of the meeting. Share about your personal recovery experience as it relates to the tools of recovery, this week's step, or the step you are currently working on. Please focus your sharing on the solution rather than the problem. Refrain from mentioning graphic details about the practice of your addiction. Remember, crosstalk, which is interrupting or commenting directly about another participant's remarks, is not appropriate. Also, it is perfectly acceptable to pass if you prefer to listen only. Confidentiality and anonymity foster honesty and make this a safe place to share. Therefore, whom you see here, what you hear here, when you leave here, let it stay here. Here, here. In keeping with the principle of anonymity, we invite you to introduce yourself by your first name only. We will conclude the sharing portion five minutes before the end of the meeting. Our final thoughts from Elder Ennis. Time is now to yours to share your experience, faith, and hope. We invite you to share for a maximum of three to five minutes. And if need be, I'll give you a signal if you have used your full time for sharing. This meeting will proceed clockwise uh, from person to person around the room or by volunteer. Who would like to start? Steve. Hi, everybody. I'm Steve. Hey, Steve. Steve. Uh, I'm an addict, alcoholic, uh, but more importantly, I'm a love child of God. You know, I was thinking as we were sharing, you know, I there was one point in my life where I had uh, about 12 years of sobriety, and then I turned 13. Uh, it was a bad deal. No, on a more real note, I had uh, something really struck me today as we was reading, um, and it's, it's directly after the sentence that uh, uh, Robert had read. It said, uh, we had to surrender every particle of self-sufficient pride and admit that our efforts to save ourselves had been insufficient. So let me tell you about my pride. Um, because I just knew that I was going to fix myself and I didn't need anybody's help. Uh, I, I just knew that, that um, Jesus wouldn't help me for sure. So, so in, my, in my efforts to... To fix myself, I had went to 
you know, a certain detox facility, um, went in there, you know, I got sober for a day or two and then I ran into somebody in there and next thing you know, we was leaving the detox facility and, and going to get high. Yeah. Then I went to another detox facility that, that, you know, worked you off and I went into the facility, uh, on sub or on cocaine and, and heroin. And then I come out of the facility on Suboxone and Valium. So, I mean, it, it wasn't really, all it did was it, it changed me from one drug to another. And as soon as I ran out of the Suboxone and Valium, I got right back onto the other stuff. So, I mean, it, that didn't work for me. You know, I, I tried really hard to save myself and, and it went about for, for an awfully long time. It wasn't until that I was compelled to be humble and I really found humility and uh, started working these steps that I decided to, to you know, the term, let Jesus take the will. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, all my, all my efforts to save myself, the self was, was faltering and, and as soon as I found that humility, um, you know, there's only one mighty to save, and that's and that is Christ. And that's exactly what He has done with me. He He has saved me from, uh, you know, the natural man, the the wailing and the wiles that I used to do to try and save myself was 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 just misery. And and uh, I'm th- thankful for for. I don't have to feel, you know, those pains. Uh, uh, I, I walk with him by my side and everything I do. Um, uh, he's removed my shortcomings. It's, it's something, something I ask him to do every morning in my morning prayers is to, to help me with my character weaknesses and remove my shortcomings. And, and he does. And uh, thank goodness because uh, I was an awfully proud person, and and this way just works better for me. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you, Steve. My name's Scott, and I'm a recovering addict. Hey, Scott. As we were reading this step, I was, I was thinking about, you know, when I first started working this step, and that was when I was incarcerated in the Utah State Prison. And it was probably, I don't know, I was in the first year that I was in there that I don't know, I was on fire, you know, like to, for a change, you know, I was just like, like Robert was saying, like that, that feeling that he didn't want to lose, you know, I had that feeling too, where I wanted something different in my life. And I was tired of uh, having that same result over and over. And, you know, now I landed myself in the, the prison and, and uh, I was looking at, you know, five or six years and, and just was really trying hard to, to do something different. And in that first uh, year I'd met this individual in there. He was a, a former, it's kind of an odd couple, you know, this, this geeky white guy and this, um, this guy that was a former leader of a Tongan Crip gang in Salt Lake. It was, uh, and you know, he had all these tattoos and everything on him, these gang tattoos. He was probably about 22 years old. And, and uh, you know, it just, just was – but he was also having that same feeling that I had. We kind of just clicked up because he was like, you know, I'm tired of this lifestyle and I've got I've to do something differently. And, and 
So him and I together, we started a Book of Mormon study circle. And so every morning when the doors popped at 6 in the morning, he and I would go out there and study. Some, sometimes other people would come. You know, he'd always be inviting people and trying to get people to come, but if, at least it was it was just him and I. But I remember one particular morning, and it was uh, he'd he'd invited all these people, these random people that weren't even members, and and we were just sitting there after study and talking, and and he some somebody was like, "What are you guys gonna do when you get out? What are you guys gonna do first thing when you get out?" and you know, one guy was like, well, you know, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to drink. And then another guy was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go on a date with some girl or whatever. And it got to me and I was like, I'm going to go to get something good to eat. And then they're like, and then another guy was like, what about you? They're like, what about you? And he said, I'm going to go straight to the Salt Lake Temple and touch the outer walls of the temple. And I was like, I was looking at him like, are you for real? And you could tell by the look on his face that he genuinely, that's what he wanted to do. And I was like, that's the mighty change of heart. You know, that's where God has removed my shortcomings. I realized that, you know, I still had a lot of shortcomings and had a lot that I needed to work through. And, you know, he was a great example to me while I was in there. And I, I'm, I'm thankful that, I had that experience and that I learned that, you know, when I first heard this step, I thought, you know, remove my shortcomings. I'm like, oh, this is going to be my favorite step, you know, where God's going to remove my shortcomings. But I learned that he does not remove our shortcomings. All he does is strengthen us so that we can overcome them. And I'm so thankful for this program and, and all that it's done to, to help me, you know, I would have, no hope at all. I know that I'd be still out there using or I might be dead, you know, if I wasn't, if it wasn't for this program and my heavenly father and all he's done. And, and I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks God. My name's Cammie and I'm a recovering addict. Hi Cammie. Um, this step is really important to me. Humility. Um, Something I haven't shared. It's always been really embarrassing to me, but it's become a sh- kind of a strength and and just has t- taught me a lot about the atonement and my Savior's love for me. When I was in rehab, um, I suffered mostly with bulimia. And we watched this movie. We did nothing from, like, 3 p.m. on. And me and this girl, we watched this movie about just, I guess, the life of someone with an eating disorder. And we also learned a lot about, like, what people, like, people with eating disorders, what they do. And one of the things they told us is uh, people with eating disorders, they tend to steal and I was like, that is so weird. It doesn't make any sense. And then in the movie, the girl, she, like, went to the grocery store, and she would uh, steal the food, eat it, and then she would purge. And I guess something just, like, clicked in my in my mind. Or her, I guess it gave me what I thought was a good idea. 
So ever since then, I've had what I call I have my two addictions, my eating disorder and stealing. And for the longest time, I just tried to, you know, keep them up by myself. And uh, just like my eating disorder, I didn't want to tell anyone because completely embarrassing. And I didn't want anyone's help. And uh, almost two years ago, I think next week, that's when uh, it all finally stopped. And uh, yesterday I went to talk to my bishop. I just go regularly. We were just talking about my making amends process. And it's it's the hardest thing ever. Especially the stealing part. And uh, he's like, so when was the last time it happened? And I'm like, you know, both of my things two years ago. And he's like, well, do you still get temptation to do it? Yeah, it happens. And uh, he asked me, well, like, how do you not do it? And uh, I've been thinking about it ever since, and I don't know why I didn't say it, but it's because of the 12 steps. And uh, there's this part that talks about King Benjamin and how the people, they felt like less than the dust of the earth, and that's how I felt. And um, I just feel so much better that, you know, I don't, you know, I don't do horrible things, and I don't do horrible things to my body. Cause it's so embarrassing. And, um, but also, I'm really proud of myself, and it's been really hard. And, but it's all because my Heavenly Father's help, because I couldn't do it by myself. And so, I know that. You know, humbling yourself and praying for help. And, um, because it's these really hard things, you know, that Satan gets us at, you know. I didn't know that I would come to this earth and have this eating problem and stealing problem. And I don't want to pass it on to my kids or, you know, and now I feel like, I don't know if they ever have the. I feel just, I don't know, if they ever have a problem, things will be better. So, you know, my my eating disorder, I feel like kind of brought on this other stealing problem and just learn more, you know, working through the repentance process. Sometimes I feel like I can do it. You know, I can make amends other days. You know, I feel like crap, but just one day at a time, and I'm so grateful for these groups, and I say these things in Jesus Christ, amen. 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 Thank Thank you. I'm Lindsay. I'm an addict. Hi. I am super grateful to be here today. Um, Grateful to be sober. I just have so much love for all of you in this group today. 
I really, really do. Um, I have grown so close to all of you. And step seven, I feel like, is mostly for me about sacrifice um, and the grace and the enabling power of the atonement. Um, It takes a lot of sacrifice, and I feel like humility comes from sacrifice and and gratitude. Um, Some things that I do to make a conscious decision to be humble today is um, I have a gratitude journal. And every night before I go to bed, um, well, I don't, I don't want to say every night because it's been a little bit since I've done it now, <laughs> um, and I need to get back on it. But for a long, 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 long time, um, I would write 10 things that I'm grateful for, and I would do that every single night before I went to bed. And what it did is it opened up my eyes to everything that I was grateful for and where the Lord's hand was in my life. Um, so that's something that I did. And in the beginning, though, I definitely had to be compelled to be humble and um, it talks about, um, in this book, about how it's still hard. Um, the hardest thing was to realize that we couldn't change and we still had shortcomings even in sobriety. When I was using, you know, of course I was going to make mistakes. And, you know, I blamed it on the drugs, you know. Yeah, I stole and I, you know, I was a horrible friend and I felt like I was a lot of a lot of bad things. I labeled myself a lot, but I could put the blame on the drugs. And when I got sober and I still made mistake after mistake after mistake every day, that was a hard thing to accept and to grasp. Um, but what it did for me is it humbled me and it took me to my knees and it took me to a place where I begged my Heavenly Father to to help me. Um, for a long time, I talked about this in the, the last meeting. I was really, really angry and re- really irritable, especially with my kids. Um, and it was so hard because I felt like I had let them down so much. You know, I had already abandoned them, already left them for two years, two plus years. I finally worked so hard to get them back. I mean, I went to court, I did everything and I got custody back of my kids and I was so excited. Um, so grateful for these two little perfect angels, um, who I learned so much, you know, I learned so much from them today. Um, but I was angry and I... I don't know what was wrong with me, but I had a really, really hard time being a mother and I wasn't used to it. I wasn't used to having to be selfless and to concentrate on them and then to balance my own recovery with it. It was really difficult. And I feel like um, in this area and probably anywhere, I feel like there's a lot of pressures on moms to be to be perfect and to be, you know, the best mom and, you know, motherhood should be super easy and for me that wasn't my experience. I struggled day after day after day. And what I did is I finally just started taking it in prayer. And the answer that I got was to start praying with my kids. So I started praying with my kids every night. And the difference that it made in my life was incredible. Um, We just started getting along so much better. And I was able to have so much more patience with them. And then the Spirit told me to start reading scriptures with them. So we started reading scriptures. And that was really cool, too. And then this book, it told me to start bearing my testimony as often as I could with my family. So I started bearing my testimony with my kids at nighttime. And the spirit that comes in that room when I'm bearing my testimony to my little five and my six-year-old is so strong and so powerful. And they know that I have a testimony today. And you can ask them what their favorite scripture is, and they'll say the change of heart scripture. (laughs) And they know the whole story, and probably a little bit too much. (laughs) But they will say, you know, mama, mom had a a bad heart, or I don't remember what word I used, and Heavenly Father gave her a new one, and she has, you know, she has a good heart today, and I'm just so grateful to be able to have, you know, an experience like that, and to be able to teach my kids and show up for them, and I think that's what this change of heart for me is all about. Um, you know, two and a half years ago, I was sitting in a jail cell, and five days ago, 
think now, last Friday, I went to the temple for my first time. And... And it was so awesome. And to be able to walk through those those temple doors and um, the guy at the desk was, you know, said, welcome to the house of the Lord. And his eyes just stared at me and it was so piercing. And I just knew that I was exactly where I needed to be. And um, it was just amazing. I was talking to my dad about it today. And the only word I could use is transforming. That's what that experience was like. And to be able to walk in there knowing that I'm worthy today because of the steps and because of this process is so awesome and so powerful. And I'm just so blessed and I feel so grateful to be able to be a part of this program and and to be able to to teach my kids. I'm grateful to be able to teach my kids and to be able to um, just to be a mom. I think that is the best gift that I have gotten from this program. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lindsay. Thanks. I'm Sharon. I'm an addict. Hey, Sharon. Sharon. And I'm really grateful to be here. I missed you guys last couple weeks. I've always thought the sixth and the seventh step, I always thought the sixth step was clocking off and working from the devil, and the seventh step was working, clocking on to work for our Heavenly Father. And that's the way I've always understood it. And... Uh, my patriarchal blessing talks a great deal about trials that I will have, but and they'll they'll keep coming, and they have <laughs> nonstop. It seems like, uh, and I even the, the advantages, at least with the patriarchal blessing, I have it in writing that this is happening, and then, but it also says some really important things about that. With those trials, I have a responsibility to help others, and that I'll see miracles, and. I think the part about my blessing that touches me the most about that my kids will turn out to be great. And, you know, we've been, a, I, I think I was really touched with what you had to say, Lindsay, about motherhood. I, it's my kids. I just came for a parent-teacher conference and in which my son, excellent, excellent, excellent. And I started tearing up because it's been a hard road with my kids this year. And... I think the the wonderful thing about that for me is both of my kids, in spite of all the teachings, I raised my kids in sobriety, and both of my kids made choices to go into addiction for a while, and it about killed me, especially when I made a choice to stay clean and sober, to give him a different life than where I'd come from. And I think the thing that was neat about that is when, as my kids have been struggling with their different issues, that... It was kind of cool because my son said to me the other day, well, Mom, in spite of all, you've been there for us. And that's true because I could, I could, I know what that felt like, and you can't do anything about it. You know, I can pray. And so I was pretty humble today going, yeah, my experience did pay off. And, and eventually, you know, both of my kids are both clean. My youngest just got eight months clean and my oldest six months clean. And... You know, it's just something they have to go through. That's the problem with addiction. It runs through family. So if it's been in my family for generations, why should my kids be exempt in spite of it all? <laughs> but, um, and then myself, I, I, yesterday I had a craving for a cigarette so bad. I mean, and that's the thing. I, all these people who say that their addictions have been completely relieved for them, at 23 years clean, that has not been my case. I still have physical cravings. For cocaine, I still have physical cravings for Bacardi and I, cigarettes by far. And I've, I haven't smoked in 15 years almost now. 
and I still have um, to carry gum with me. And I really think that's what the seventh step's about, is saying, okay, God, I'm having all these cravings, but I'm still doing it your way. And the nice thing is that all these things pass. And when I quit smoking, uh, I sent for some information from the American Lung Society because the way I quit smoking was through prayer with my kids. We'd come home from church, and my little cute three-year-old, after I smoked for all these years, he comes and he goes, Mommy, quit smoking. And I just know I couldn't. But I knew God helped me quit drug addiction. I'm sure he could do the same with smoking. And through a prayer with my both my sons, they were three and one at the time, I took out this pack and um, I gave my three-year-old half the pack. And there was only seven left. And he crinkled them and we crinkled them. And, and we had a prayer that mom wouldn't smoke again. And I haven't. And about a little bit after that, my three-year-old went around saying, Jesus, help my mommy quit smoking. Jesus, help my mommy quit smoking. So I'm really proud of myself in that in spite of all these stresses that I've had. Um, since I quit smoking and drug addiction, my brother's killed himself. Uh, another brother attempted suicide. And, you know, divorce, that about killed me. Lots of girls that I raised. It just seems like always things are hard. But... It makes you evaluate, did I really choose God? Did I really choose Him? And at one point, when I first got sober, my sponsor used to say, if all I did is stay sober today, then I've done 100% today. And I used to think that was so crazy at the time because I thought, well, I want to do more than be sober. There's a whole life to live. But, you know, some days that's just true. Sometimes at the end of the day, I just stay clean. And to be able, the part of my big patriarchal blessings that talks a great deal about sharing my testimony with others. And I try all, every opportunity I can to let people know that God lives, that Christ is, that He is the solution, and that our physical bodies have all these cravings all the time. But I just know that in spite of it all, when I've chosen my Heavenly Father and when I've chosen the Savior, in spite of all the things that happen, He has always come in the nick of time. And He has made these horrible mountains that it seems like that happen all the time. He's always come in and He's like, okay, well, are you done with that trial now? Yeah, I'm done. God, please pull me from that one. And then he puts me in another one. But I have not had to drink through all of that. And that is my testimony that I would like to leave tonight, is that there is a Savior. He meant it when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He meant it when he was on the cross. And he saved this woman. He saved me. And he saved my kids. And I watch him save so many people. But he... Is the only one that saves. No person, no drug, no drink, no person, place, thing, nothing is going to save you. But when you choose Him, that's the only thing that's 100% sure. That's the only promise we have is that God's promises never change. And it's just nice that when we give Him a chance, He keeps those promises. And I just am really grateful for that in my life. And I say, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 Thank you, Sharon. Thank you, Sharon. My name is Rich. Hey, Rich. Hi, Rich. Hi, Rich. 
I am a child of God and nothing more and nothing less today. I'm uh, very grateful to be here tonight. I've been very touched by the, the testimonies and, and the sharing um, so far. I realize the more that I speak of humility, the less I know, so I'm not going to speak of it. Um, but what I do want to speak of is my testimony. I love uh, these meetings. I love you all very much. I love coming and seeing change. I love seeing um, people that come into uh, the meeting that I facilitate or the meetings that I go to and coming in broken. I love seeing um, people come in broken and week after week continue to come and see these changes that happen in people's lives is truly amazing. It is like unto the miracles in, in the Bible. It is the miracles of, of healing men and women. And I'm so grateful that I myself have experienced those miracles, but more so that I get to see them, that I get to see the miracles and these changes in other people's lives, to see people that come in and go from a point where the last thing they could probably contemplate is going through the temple and then talking to them after they go to the temple and seeing the light that comes from Jesus Christ in the atonement. I'm grateful for that. I just want to bear my testimony that I know that Jesus Christ lives. I've had experiences I have felt the hand of the Lord change me and change and seen the changes in other people. I'm blessed and honored to be here with you tonight. And I will say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you, Rich. Thanks, Rich. Uh, hi, I'm Abra. Hey, Abra. Uh, what a wonderful meeting we're having this evening. Um, and what a wonderful step, uh, step seven is. Um, I spent my day today, um, at the mall with screaming girls um, picking out homecoming dresses. And I thought, I really need a meeting um, <laughs> because that, that is not a pleasant experience for anyone. Um, when I talk about my children, my children are not my children. They're my sister's children. Um, I was not blessed to be able to have children of my own. And I remember... Um, Years ago, I I was railing at God, and I said, why? Why did you give children to mothers that that don't take care of them? Why do you give children to mothers that don't take care of them? Um, my one sister is a now-recovering uh, meth addict, but she was pretty bad. She had three beautiful daughters that she abused horribly, and I was left to take care of them because I was sober and she wasn't. And I have a sister that passed away that has a almost 18-year-old son that uh, my mother and I are left to raise. And I was just railing at God, and I said, why? You know, I would be a great mom. And my sisters are horrible mothers. And um, I sat down with the 12-step book, and I just let it fall open. 
because I knew that I do that with my scriptures. I just let the book fall open and I read whatever the Lord wants me to read. And this is exactly what I read. King Benjamin taught that we are all beggars before God and have no hope of salvation by our own efforts, but only through the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. And I knew in that instant that I wasn't meant to be a mother for my own children, but I had to be a mother for theirs. And that brought me to my knees, and I had to give the most repentant prayer I think I have ever given because for many years I had just railed at my Heavenly Father because I didn't have children, and I hated my sisters um, because they did. Uh, King Benjamin also taught that the three things that will lead us back to the celestial kingdom are humility, gratitude, and service. And um, the one thing that I give every day is service to those four children. And I have to remember that that's what I was here for, for them. And my Heavenly Father put me here childless so that they could have a mom who loved them and take care of them. And he brings me to my knees every day, humbly to remember that. And I'm grateful that I have all of you here, that each one of you comes to this meeting and that you love me and <laughs> that you're here to listen to our problems and that you can share your life with me. And I love each one of you dearly. And I leave that with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Abra. Thanks, Abra. Hi, I'm Scott. Hey, Scott. Hi, Scott. I am so grateful to be here tonight as well. A couple of people asked me how, how my week went this week, and I had to really ponder. I guess that means it wasn't great and it wasn't horrible. But I can honestly say that I can see by looking back that God is really taking care of me this week. He's keeping me safe, and I'm driving half blind because I broke my glasses in anger a few weeks ago, and and he's keeping me safe. He's blessing me with miracles in my kids', kids lives. Um, there's a movie where someone basically dies, and through a series of videos, he helps someone, one of his, I think it's a nephew, change literally change his heart and who he is. And again, without me really doing anything other than just working on my own recovery, I can see God's hand in the lives of my children. Maybe they're watching, maybe they're not, maybe he's just doing it. But they're looking at their own lives. They're questioning the habitual going to church that they've been doing and searching for a testimony and, and, searching out how to help and heal others. And it's just, just brings tears to my eyes to think about the changes that are occurring. And because I felt a lot of guilt, a lot of shame over the father I was not. And I know you can keep being a father, even though they're out of the home, but that on hands contact is a little less present, but I'm so grateful that 
combination of whatever little I'm doing and what he's doing that he could do it still. Um, this section, this step particularly, brings to mind the same thing I've talked about several times. A quote that President Uchtdorf talked, uh, offered basically saying that encouraging us to not go to the extremes. Satan wants us to go to extremes. I'm so wonderful and great, I don't need God, or I'm so miserable and horrible, God can't do anything for me. One's, I think, a form of pride, and the other, well, I guess they're really both forms of pride in that one you're saying, I don't need him, and the other one is, Christ can't do anything for me. I'm so special, Christ can't do anything for me. And, And that is just... So absolutely not true. He can bless each of our lives. And I am so grateful how he's touching my life and the life of my family. I'm grateful to, to, the, to the examples and the, the relationships. I'm not terribly outgoing by any means, any stretch of the imagination, but just to sit back and See each of you open up your hearts, share tough stuff. Oh, my heart cries out for you. The things you're going through and that you have gone through. And it just makes me just care about you so much. And I feel that goes both directions. And it's it's just such an amazing process. Anyone that hasn't experienced this or is afraid to come because of whatever Satan is telling them, they need to... They need to come because it's the most healing, building up, love-filled environment you can be in. Um, I thank each of you for being here. And I bear witness of the love of my Heavenly Father. And I leave that with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thanks, Thanks, Scott. Scott. Thanks, Scott. My name is Dub. Hey, Dub. Hey, Dub. I'm a grateful son of God who has multiple allergies. <laughs> Uh, step seven, man, I've heard some wonderful things here tonight. Uh, you know, I, I hesitate to share anything for fear of taking away the spirit that's been here because this is what I'm addicted to now is this embrace of the savior that we have felt in this circle tonight. Wow. It's been powerful. It has been so powerful and it just testifies. It reminds me of one of my old AA sponsor who was also a fantastic missionary in the Salt Lake Mission and uh, cancer finally got him a couple of months ago and every Thursday at Mill Creek he ended the meeting by reminding us that these 12 steps are not the 12 suggestions they are the 12 steps so get them done. And uh, I, I love that guy because he just had a way of, of uh, being frank and, and yet loving at the same time. Uh, anyway, every time I get to step seven, I go back to my first AA sponsor back in Farmington, New Mexico at a place called Arid Acres. We had a meeting there twice a day. And... Uh, after I'd gotten through uh, steps four and five, which was a long time, I, I drug my feet like most of us do. I felt like I needed to 
a little rest. So I told my sponsor, I said, I need a couple of weeks off. You know, this, <laughs> this, this has been brutal. This has been brutal. I am wore out. I am so wore out. And he goes, okay, here's the deal, Buckwheat. Get over in that corner and put that dunce cap back on your head, and we're not leaving here until we do step six tonight. And the next night we did step seven. And so I, I said, you know, tell me some of these things that I should ask that my father and my brother take away from me. And he said, if I was somebody as stupid as you, I'd keep it simple. <laughs> And the way to keep it simple is just list the seven deadly sins and see how many you have. And so being a quarterback, high school and college, I wanted to compete. I wanted to have the most <laughs> deadly sins. So I filled out my list and, and proudly presented it to him. And he said, wow. <laughs> he's not going to take all of these. You understand that, don't you, Buckwheat? And, and I said, well, yeah, I think he's going to. But what I didn't understand, that in a few short weeks, that they would all come back one at a time and say, I'm back. <laughs> Pride, greed, sloth, gluttony, all of them came back one at a time. So my second time around, I expected them to come back, and I was able to be a little more specific and shorten my list. Uh, but this program that we're involved with here tonight, that changed my life. Uh, November 4th, 2000, I walked into my first ARP meeting in Pioneer Stake Center. And uh, the facilitator there that day absolutely blew me out of the water. Just blew me out of the water. I went home and cried and cried. And, and, and I had another spiritual awakening. I always assumed we just had one. I, I had mine on my mission. So I wasn't going to get another one. But I had another one that day. And I've had many more since. So thank you for all the wisdom you brought to this meeting tonight, and uh, almost everybody has mentioned the love that we feel for one another, even though we haven't known each other all that long, but there's, there's a commonality here that we are truly sons and daughters of God. I know that God lives. Jesus is the Christ. I say that in his name. Amen. 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 Thanks, Thanks, Dad. Thank you all for sharing. You know, when I said before, you had to limit your time, you guys took it seriously. We got extra time now. So, Elder Ennis, it's all yours. Thanks, Robert. Um, where to begin? Um, I guess, hi, I'm Elder Ennis. And, hi, it's, Elder and it's a wonderful thing to be here with you all this evening. Um, I, too, have been lifted by the Spirit. Um, it's neat to be in these meetings and be able to, uh, you know, I parrot everything that's been said. Uh, the amazing spirit that's been here, uh, we need to acknowledge that the spirit has been here. Um, and as we have gone through these steps, uh, the camaraderie and uh, the brother and sisterhood that has developed and exists amongst us, um, 
my hope and my prayer is that those who are listening to these podcasts and benefiting from them, that they are that they are able to follow along and be able to get to know each individual in this circle um, through personal experience shared uh, through pictures, whatever uh, the source may be, uh, be able to get to know each one of you and the amazing individuals that you are. What to add to this meeting? Um, step seven, humility. As I think back through my process of recovery, the times that I relapsed were the times that I was not humble. Whenever I would get agitated with my children, with my wife, with life, and start adopting that evil spirit of entitlement, like I have a right, (laughs) every single time I would fall and relapse, it was when I was not humble. And if you stop and you consider the steps up to this point, you know, if you have been truly doing the steps, one, two, three, four, and five, you get to step six. As addicts, you know, we're starting to feel pretty good about ourselves and the leaps and bounds that we have achieved and that we've made. Is it any wonder that step seven is a reminder back to humility? Um, you know, step seven and where humility falls within this program is definitely inspired because we do each and every day. We need to humble ourselves and we need to recognize where it is that we have been, where it is that we have come from and not use it to beat us down or harrow us up, but for it to serve as a humble reminder of where we once were, where we're at now and that there's still road out in front of us, ahead of us, still to travel. And the only way that we're going to get beyond where we're at is with the help of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's where it always comes to. And we're not going to glean anything from Him, from His Spirit, from His help, unless we are humble. And so step seven is a reminder, uh, a profound prophetic reminder, where it falls within the 12-step program for us to be humble for us to look to God, for us to continue to be humble and follow His Son, Jesus Christ. Um, one of my favorite scriptures, feel impressed to share it. Uh, all of us know it, Ether, chapter 12, verse 27. And if men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. I give unto men weakness that they may be humble. And my grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me. For if ye humble yourselves before me and have faith in me, then will I make weak things become strong unto them. Um, Another scripture along the same lines, uh, I guess more along the lines of our personal belief. Alma chapter 15, uh, verse 6, Alma says, Believest thou in the power of Christ unto salvation? He continues on in verse 8 and he says, Alma said, If thou believest in the redemption of Christ, thou canst be healed. And then finally, in Moroni chapter 10, uh, verses 32 and 33, it says, Yea, come unto Christ and be perfected in him, and deny yourselves of all ungodliness, 
And if you shall deny yourselves of all ungodliness and love God with your and love God with all your might, mind and strength, then is his grace sufficient for you that by his grace you may be perfected in Christ. And if by grace and if by the grace of God ye be perfected in Christ, ye can in no wise deny the power of God. And again, if by the grace of God ye are perfected in Christ and deny not his power, then are ye sanctified in Christ by the grace of God, through the shedding of the blood of Christ, which is in the covenant of the Father unto the remission of your sins, that ye become holy without spot. You know, step seven, we always need to remember, like I said, where we have come from, where we're at, and where we need to continue. And it's only in and through the grace of our Heavenly Father, in and through the grace and mercy of our Savior Jesus Christ, that we're able to continue on in recovery, in overcoming the weaknesses and the pitfalls of our lives. And as it says, as we come unto God, as we come unto Christ, He will show us our weaknesses. And to be shown our weaknesses, we need to be humble so we can accept them and understand them and be able to allow Him to use our weaknesses to humble us so we can come to Him and learn and grow and see exactly what it is that He can take in our lives and turn it into a strength for us. So I testify of our Savior. I testify of His redeeming love, of His redeeming power, and anybody and everybody, we point their souls to Him and look unto Him in humility for deliverance and redemption. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Eldrin. In closing, please remember that what has been shared here is confidential and that the opinions expressed here are those of the individual who expressed them and do not necessarily represent LDS Family Services or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We encourage you to purchase a personal copy of the guide for note-taking during the meeting. We also recommend using the Studying and Understanding and Action Step sections between meetings to build on what you have heard here and experienced in this meeting. Finally, we thank each of you for your participation. Your presence here demonstrates your humility and faith and inspires hope in everyone attending today. Would somebody please offer us a closing prayer? Thank you. Our dear kind Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the the feeling that's been in this meeting tonight. We are so thankful for the Savior and we pray that as we leave here that we can take these thoughts and feelings that we have and apply them to our lives and to be able to help other people. Lord, we pray for addicts everywhere, and we pray for their families. And we pray, as always, that there'll be an experience that helps bring them unto Christ. Lord, we pray for President Monson, and we pray as conferences coming up soon that that it will that our hearts will be open to the messages and that there'll be safety for the people that will be traveling here. Lord, we are grateful for all that you do and we love you always say in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Find hope and connect with God and others who understand you 
through the Church's Addiction Recovery Program. Join us at a virtual or in-person support group meeting. Visit addictionrecovery.churchofjesuschrist.org to get started.